Hello, everybody, and welcome. Here we are, and I will pause and wait for others to join us. I can't seem to be getting into my slides, which are at the in the backdrop. Yes. Um, uh, hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm sorry, we're going to need to take a couple minutes here to get these slides ready. Um, so. Dr. Tahir, if you if you hit the present button at the bottom of your screen, mm -hmm. and then slides, do you see slides at, at the top of it, at the top of the list? Click slides and click your computer. And then and then click upload file. Do you, do you see it? Yeah, you're in this show. Everyone, oh, no, wait a minute. I got mine. Please choose a smaller file. How can I choose a smaller file? I've chosen the file that I had. So I do present. I do slides. I do choose my your computer. I go upload file. So, yes, up, upload file. Then I have We Did It Health, which is my uh, presentation. Okay. On that. Select that one and upload it. Open. I can't open that. So I will go again. It, it opens out slides. Computer. Upload file. This is my file. This is my file over here. Is is it up on is it up on your computer? Is your show up on your computer? Yeah, it is. Hard disease. Why hard disease? If I open it, it says it's too large. Okay. And you can't open it. Are are you able to talk without showing the slides? No. No. Can you do a Zoom session with me? No. Um, oh my goodness. Um, I, if I do open, I can do open. But the moment I do open, it it goes away. So let me do this. No, I just can't. Hello, everybody. I'm sorry we're having technical difficulties. Uh, 
please hold on. We'll do our best to get uh, Dr. Tahir's slides up as quickly as possible. Uh, seems like he's having some technical difficulties on his end. Your computer, we are currently Google said PowerPoint P for support. So that should support my file and I upload the file and then I have this we did it health and I get this. Uh, let me do video file and see. It won't show me that. So I'm going to video file. No. Cancel. The only way I can do is do share uh, slides, which you said was good enough. And should I go for Google Slides? Let me see if that works out. They're, they're not. They're, okay. Slide. No. That doesn't work. But the computer works. But the file is too large. Can, can you do a screen share from your computer then? Under present, at the bottom of the screen share, press the screen share. Wait, first, let me do one more this year, computer, and let me do upload file. And this is the file that I want to upload, which is right here, which is right here. And here it is, but it is disappears. So I can't do that. So we'll let me go back on to and share screen. Share my screen. Choose what to share. So I want to share what is going around here. Let me see share. The size limit is fifty MB. So I don't know. I've done this before uh, with others. It has worked out. I, I can't seem to be getting it. Settings are perfect. Everything there is good. My lights are on the background. And uh, all ready to fire up. But I can't seem to be, I'm having an issue that I don't know how to solve at this point, uh, Peter. Somebody else is there, a villain there, or I'll probably call her and ask her. Let me call villain. 
Hi there. Yeah, hello, uh, Lynn. I'm yes. caught up over here. I can't get into and show my slides. Yes, I'm. I'm watching you, and um, I have my slides on the in the background. Are ready to go. And you don't see a share screen. I I see a share. I do presentation present. And I see share screen. I do share screen. And then when I say share screen, it gives me this particular. Okay. Do me a favor and put your. Microsoft PowerPoint, maybe. That's it. No, but it is not showing me anything. It is not doing anything when I press on that. Maybe I'll do finders. That's not doing anything either. I don't know. Well, here's what I suggest. Mm. O open the PowerPoint and do your slide. Okay, so my microphone was muted. I am so sorry, everybody, that we're having such difficulty right now. Uh, please bear with us or check back in a few minutes. I, I know that Dr. Tahir is going to get his uh, technology fixed, and he's on support with somebody with his consultant and they're working it out. So thank you everybody. I guess in the meantime, what- um, Talking about my slides now and go ahead with the thing. Yes. So uh, let, let me take a minute here and welcome everybody. Uh, I am so happy you're here, and I'm so sorry that we're having the technical challenges with the slides, but we have a couple people working on it, and I'm sure we'll get it running. In the meantime, I would love to welcome you, and I would love to have this opportunity to express to you what our intention and mission is. Uh, we are... Uh, we, we are the Thrive and Inspire Ambassadors community, and our mission is to support the whole food plant-based and vegan ambassadors. And those are those of us who would love to see this world change and be a, a vegan plant-based world where, where we're not doing harm to animals, where people can be optimal health, where we can have climate healing. And, and then our fourth, Part of this mission is food healing, because being vegan and plant-based is absolutely the solution for world hunger. So if we were all whole food plant-based and vegans, we'd be so healthy, animals wouldn't be suffering, the climate would be healing, and certainly world starvation and world hunger would come to an end. We have a series every Saturday at noon Eastern time. We have an amazing list of 
of presenters, doctors, and experts uh, talking about various areas of of uh, personal communications to help us communicate better and plant seeds with people that we care about, as well as doctors for pers for physical health and psychologists and, and therapists for our emotional well-being uh, and experts like like Dr. Salish Shrau, who's going to talk to us about climate healing and food healing. So we're bringing you all these experts. We're creating support groups and mastermind groups so that we can have a place to, to uh, visit and support each other as we move forward uh, in the space. So welcome, and let me check in to see if we're ready with the presentation. Uh, we... Are, are, is, are your slides ready to go, Dr. Thayer? I, I am here with the slides, but uh, the people cannot see me or they will not be able to see my slides. Okay. Yeah, so if you can present your slides uh, or do either one. I'm, I'm sorry you have to choose, but uh, please feel free to talk without the slides or just uh, let's have your voice uh, and and the slides to look at. So, uh, with that, please proceed. And I would I I would love to introduce you. You are certainly a hero of mine. You have done such an amazing job having being a doctor, having had uh, bypass surgery, open heart surgery, and then turning your life around and becoming whole food plant based, becoming an an explorer, an adventurer, a marathon runner, a mountain climber. Your accomplishments are amazing. Your book, Open Hearted, is a phenomenal book. I know so many people love it. You're such an inspiration and such a such a role model for so many people. We really appreciate you and thank you and welcome. And we'd love to hear hear you share. Uh, your experience and your story. So please, please take it away. Thank you so much, Peter, for that very kind introduction. I'm sorry uh, the, the audience will not be able to see me or uh, see my slides. I can do one thing is I can uh, uh, share my, I can send you the slides if you want, uh, Peter, and then you can Share it if you want. That's possibility. Uh, or, well, or please, please go yeah, ahead. Yeah, please and proceed and, and show your slides and, and we'll listen to you uh, talk through your slides. I, I can't show my slides. I will only have You to cannot show your slides? So please, yeah. please proceed with, with, uh, with talking through your slides and 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 then maybe if anybody would like to see your slides perhaps we can share your slides also what we can do is if you would just re-record uh the presentation and we'll post that for everybody to have access to your presentation with the slides so let's let's do that let's proceed with with you telling your story and then we'll ask you to to record it and we'll make that available for everybody Okay, nope, not a problem at all. Uh, things happen, I'm sorry about this, uh, but let's uh, get the show on the road. So here, here it is. First of all, thank you, Peter. Thank you again for that lovely introduction. I, uh, this is a 
topic that heart disease and women. I'd done it several years back uh, at the GORED, uh, heart disease and women, uh, but things have changed uh, dramatically uh, since that time. So I thought of doing this again. And uh, let me go ahead and start with my first slide, which is heart disease, why heart disease in women is so often missed or dismissed. So let me go on with the first slide. Uh, there are so many whys. Why has women's heart disease diagnosis and treatment lagged behind men? Why is there so much awareness in breast cancer campaign and comparatively so little in heart disease in women? Why are symptoms of heart disease missed by women and people around them? Why are they sometimes missed by doctors? And why are symptoms of heart attack different in men and women? So I hope to answer all these questions for you so that I want women to understand the subtle symptoms of heart disease so that they can be empowered to reach in time to a doctor or ER and ask the right questions. So I will go on to my next slide which is heart disease is the leading cause of death in the US and worldwide for both men and women for 104 years in a row. It kills more people than all the cancers combined. One person dies every 36 seconds in the US of cardiovascular disease coronary artery disease being the most common. Heart disease costs the U.S. $363 billion each year. In 2020, 314,000 women, that is one in every five female deaths in 2020. Even younger women are now facing heart disease. About one in 16 women aged 20 and older have coronary heart disease, the most common type of heart ailment. Now, my next slide is, let's look at it. It's a picture of a heart. I wish, I really wish you all could see all this, but never mind. Let me do the best I can under the given circumstances. You have the size of the heart is the size of your fist or a little larger than the size of your fist. Now you have to understand the mechanics of coronary artery blockages. The arteries, these are vessels that carry blood to the heart. Every day, the heart beats 100,000 times and pumps 2,000 gallons of blood. So in a 70-year lifespan, the human heart beats more than 2.5 billion times. Now, if you see, this little heart has to be taken care of. 
because it pumps this blood, gallons of blood to every organ in your body, everywhere in your body. So it needs to be looked after. So what happens is that we have these vessels coming out from the main branch aorta and going and supplying the blood to the heart. These are the right coronary, the circumflex, and the left descending artery. Now, for a long period of time, the left anterior descending artery was called the widowmaker because men who got this died and left their women, left their wives as widows. But I would like to say at this point in time that it is not only a widowmaker, but a widower maker. Because women, in women too, heart disease is the leading cause of death. And so before embarking on further things, let me give you a small example of a coronary artery. Again, I can't show you the picture, but this is a cross section of a coronary artery disease, coronary artery. Well, inside the coronary, the end, the inner lining of a coronary artery is endothelial cells. These endothelial cells produce nitric oxide. And this nitric oxide keeps the artery dilated, keeps the blood flowing smoothly, and protects the arterial wall. Now what happens if you have the rich, unhealthy diet, the standard American diet, the dairy, eggs, meat, carbonated sugar, drinks, processed foods, or a junk food, vegetarian, vegan diet, processed foods, saturated fats, sugar, oils, I've gone these pictures show over here what foods are. What can this do? This can destroy the endothelial lining that I talked about, which secretes a powerful substance, nitric oxide. Now the nitric oxide is not being produced. So what happens? You have all this cholesterol, fibrin, calcium, now forming plaques into the in, into the blood vessel, into the coronaries. And these plaques are sometimes formed over decades. And they narrow the lumen, reduce the blood flow. And if they reduce the blood flow to an extent that you are having chest pain, then we doctors call it angina. But this is true. But you can also have if your angina, maybe you're lucky, but younger, friable, soft clots can also happen with rupture, suddenly forming emboli, sudden blockage to certain part of the heart. This, folks, is a heart attack when 50% die with the first heart attack. So we go on to the next slide, which is very important. I first said that why have women lag behind the therapeutics and, and the research behind men? You see what happened was that since 1984, more women die of heart disease than men. 
the cardiovascular disease mortality trends from males and females. So more women die of heart disease than men since 1984. In the 1950s and 60s, everybody thought that heart disease was a man's problem. It was in all the textbooks. And certainly what I learned when I was training. More and more women, as you see in my graph, when you get an opportunity, a chance, more and more women, two, three, four times are dying of heart disease than men. And one of the things you see is that the male line, mortality line is going down, 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 and the female line is going up and the gap is widening. So what this suggested at the national level was that the diagnostic and therapeutic strategies developed in men, for men, and by men for the last 50 years work pretty well in men, don't they? But weren't working so well in women. So that was a big wake-up call in the 1980s when we started wondering why is it that women are dying more mortalities more in women than in men. Now, if you look at the two diseases that we talk about in the toll, heart disease kills more women at all ages than breast cancer. Again, this is not a competition. We are not belittling breast cancer, neither we are undermining breast cancer. We need to be as good as the breast campaign to address this crisis. Now, when someone sees this or hears me talk about this, there is a gasp. We can all think of someone often, a young woman who has been impacted with breast cancer. But we can't think of a young woman who has heart disease. This is because heart disease often kills people very quickly. So when heart disease strikes in women and men, half the time it is sudden cardiac death. No time to say goodbyes, take her to, to chemo or help her to pick out a wig. Breast cancer mortality is now down to 4%. And that is 40 years of awareness and campaign. Uh, first ladies like Betty Ford and Nancy Reagan stood up and said, I'm a breast cancer survivor and it is okay to talk about it. So we doctors did the research and now have very effective therapies. Women are living longer and that has to happen in heart disease. It is time. Now next is the picture of two very important ladies. Both very important. Both have done extensive work for women's heart disease. The first one is Barbara Streisand. As Barbara depicted in one of her amazing movies, Yentl, she portrayed a young woman who wanted an education. In fact, this was her directorial, directorial debut. And she wanted to study the Talmud, the ancient teachings of Jewish law. 
So how did she get educated? She had to impersonate men, look like a man, and make other people believe that she looked like a man, and then she could have the same rights as men had. And there was another woman in the shadows, and this is the second woman, Dr. Bernardine Healy, at that time was a cardiologist. And right around at that time in the 1980s, when we saw women and hard deaths going up, 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 she wrote an editorial in the New England Journal of Medicine that this was the Yentl syndrome. Women are dying of heart disease two or three or four times more often than men. Mortality is not going down, it's going up. And she questioned this to be the Yentl syndrome. So we come to the next one. Now, if you remember, again, uh, anyway, this, the usual excruciating chest pain, the Hollywood type of heart attacks, or now even the Bollywood type of heart attacks, when you clutch your chest and you're falling on the ground, this is a typical Hollywood type of chest pain that does happen in both men and women. Even if some of you who may be, maybe who are, you may be too young to know this, but in Sanford and Sons, do you remember Sanford clutching his chest and going down the floor each time he was asked to do some work? Well, that is the, the imprint that people have in their minds, that that is the heart attack. And so if there is anything different from this, they feel that maybe this is not an heart attack. Therefore, remember this. In men, you have usually men and women, but generally speaking, when we talk about men, excruciating chest pain, like somebody, an elephant sitting on your chest, and then you get uh, dizziness, nausea, uh, sweating. While in women, they may have these symptoms, but some of these women have very vague symptoms like your jaw pain, your shortness of breath, your chest discomfort or tightness, backache, extreme fatigue and nausea. So folks, what I wanted you to do, if you can see my slides later on, get this imprint that we could sort of have these pictures in your mind. And woman with extreme fatigue, as if she has run a marathon for a period of days, or for that matter, somebody having shortness of breath, not having asthma, but having shortness of breath, which is not getting better. Somebody who is having a jaw pain or a toothache. Uh, trust me, I've seen a patient who had a toothache and she was uh, going from dentist to dentist. She got the tooth out, but ultimately it was uh, the warning sign of a heart disease. Then you have somebody with neck pain. Then somebody can be with upper back pain and shoulder pain. So 
I do not want you to run to your doctor or to the ER if you just have back pain or uh, jaw pain and run to the... No, this is not what my point is. My take-home message is do not ignore the out-of-the-blue issues. That means pay attention to changes of patterns in your body. Say, for example, if you are prone to indigestion and just ate a spicy meal, then the burning feeling in your chest is most likely heartburn. But if it comes out, but if it comes out of the blue and the symptoms gets worse, this is a warning sign that it is not gastro. And then you find, even if you see, if you have a backache or a shoulder pain, and if you stress that muscle out, or if you take an anti-inflammatory and does not get better out of the blue, take it as a warning sign. Similarly, with your neck pain or other symptoms, take it seriously if it just comes out of the blue and it's not been there and it gets worse even with the treatment that you are doing, home or otherwise. Now, having said that, this is something that can, if you remember this, you can save not only yourselves, but you can save your family, friends, uh, neighbors. If this is there, you should be able to understand that this is more than just my back pain or my heart, heartburn. Now, there is also a situation of a silent heart attack. Again, women, older people, and diabetics are more prone to a silent heart attack. Diabetics, when they have these nerve issues that interfere with pain signals, which is called neuropathy, for example, are at a higher risk of having a literally silent heart attack. But let me tell you, wake symptoms, silent heart attacks, all goes hand in hand. The dangers of having a heart attack and not knowing can lead to heart failure, sudden death, stroke, arrhythmias, and having another heart attack. So, folks, even if a doctor thinks a woman is having a heart attack, the event may not show up on a standard test that looks for proteins in the blood called the troponin that are released when heart muscle is damaged. Now, more sensitive troponin tests are available in the UK, which according to a recent research, increases the chances of diagnosis by 42%. Even your EKG may not show. And once you are diagnosed, this is a, a research study done in Scotland. There's a huge difference in the way how men and women are treated after a heart attack. Many studies have shown this. They're less likely to get statins or clot-bursting therapy. So we go on to Weiss study. And the Weiss study is the women's ischemic syndrome evaluation. What happens when you have a male pattern heart attack? As we said, it's a Hollywood heart attack. 
there is a horrible chest pain, EKG goes, doctors can see this usually abnormal EKG, there's a huge clot in the middle of the artery. And they go up in the cath lab and boom, 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 get the, rid of the clot. This is a man's heart attack. Some women have this type of heart attack, but a whole lot of women have a different kind of attack where the coronary artery, it is erodes, doesn't completely fill with the clot. Symptoms are subtle. EKG findings are different. Troponin levels, as we said, are not high. It's a female pattern. So what happens to these gals? They go to the ER and they're often sent home. And the doctor says, I'm not sure what it is. It maybe have been gas. Or maybe it's in your mind. Or maybe you are too anxious. So the important thing to remember over here that women, men, if you look at why study sex differences in heart attacks, then men explode and women erode. Interesting analogy, isn't it? Even if you look at other than uh, sexual uh, sexes, in other fields also, this is uh, interesting thing about man exploding and women eroding. So we picked up on so we picked up on this. And we doctors now have the ability to look inside human beings with this these special catheters called IVIS. Intravascular ultrasound. And we said we are going to hypothesize the fatty plaques in women is actually probably different and deposited differently than men. And because of the common knowledge how men and women get obese, where do men get fat? Right here in the belly. It's just focal. And where do women get fat? All over. Cellularly here, cellularly there, cellularly. Women are pretty good at putting the garbage away, smoothly putting it away. Men, awful. Just dump it into one single area in your belly. Again, I have the pictures to show you, but having said that, then you have, so it, what we did was, and so we went on to show what is going on. So the yellow is the fatty plaque, which you, of course you all can't see around here. And then the, the plaque is always lumpy and bumpy like a beer belly in a coronary artery of a man. While in the coronary artery of a female, if you notice that she's laid out nice and tidy and you uh, do an angiogram and you will see a man's disease. So, so many years of honing and crafting these angiograms, we can easily recognize male, male pattern disease but kind of hard to see the female disease. So that was a discovery. What are the implications of that? Well, well, once again, women can have an angiogram and nobody can tell her that they have a problem. Now we go on to three other things which are important, which are more important in women 
And one, number one, is a coronary microvascular heart disease. This is another type of heart disease that affects women more than men. Microvascular dysfunction. Women have smaller hearts and smaller blood vessels than men. And when their small blood vessels, I hear the picture is there. These are not the coronary, when they get clogged, these small tiny blood vessels which come out from the coronaries all over the heart are clogged with plaques, blood flow is compromised, causing them to feel like they're having a heart attack. Now, this is a coronary microvasculature and they carry the blood flow to the heart muscle delivering oxygen. Then conditions that it increase the risk of coronary microvascular dysfunction are high again in diabetes, high cholesterol, and blood pressure and diet. So when you have this tiny microvessels, they cannot be found on an angiogram because the angiogram only shows a coronary artery disease. And sometimes in women, if it is less than 50% blockage in the coronary artery, it will not be seen. So what do we do? We do the coronary reactive testing angiogram. So it is recommended for people, say, who have had a, women who had a positive stress test, but the persistent chest discomfort, shortness of breath, and the angiogram shows no blockages of the larger coronary arteries. Then you have to go ahead and ask them to do a coronary reactive testing angiogram, which is a 60 to 90 minutes procedure. The doctor first measures blood flow to the heart and then injects a drug that should have made the arteries dilate and increase the blood flow. If the flow did not rise, the patient most likely has micro vascular disease. There is no stents or anything in this. There is no surgery. Treatment is by medications, nitroglycerin, beta blockers, and calcium channel blockers. Next we find is coronary artery spasms, what we call, what we call as Prince Metals Angina. This is when again, it is important in coronary artery spasms, what they found is that the endothelial layer is damaged, the one which I talked right in the beginning, and it does not produce nitric oxide. But they found out in certain studies that nitric oxide levels are high when estrogen levels are high at certain stages of menstrual cycle in women. Estrogen, in a way, increases the levels of nitric oxide only in that certain cycle, but smoking and food, bad food, decreases the level of nitric oxide. So that's another one which is, again, treated only by you have chest pain, you have uh, symptoms like heart disease, but it is all the tests are negative and it is a spasm, coronary artery spasm. And finally... The third one is a broken heart syndrome. Now, 
what happens in a broken heart syndrome is it is a condition that can, it, it is mostly found in women 50 to 70 years old. A condition that can cause rapid and reversible heart muscle weakness, but it is reversible. The causes can be emotional or physical stress. Emotional can be grief, fear, extreme anger, and sudden surprise. Physical, high fever, stroke, seizure, difficulty in breathing, significant uh, bleeding, difficulty in breathing, significant bleeding, low blood sugar. It can absolutely mimic symptoms of a heart attack, chest pain, shortness of breath, and sweating. Now, what happens when you have as Peter uh, rightly said, stress is so important. When you experience a stressful event, your body produces hormones such as adrenaline and non-adrenaline. Adrenaline. Now, heart muscle can be overwhelmed by a massive amount of adrenaline. And this can cause narrowing of the small arteries that supply the heart with blood, causing a temporary decrease of blood flow to the heart. Alternatively, the adrenaline may bind to the heart muscle, directly causing a large amounts of calcium to enter the cells, which can prevent the heart cells from beating properly. So, in short, what I would like you to take a take-home message would be, Please listen to your body. Number one, you can have a heart attack which is similar to the usual heart attack, a Hollywood type of heart attack. You may not have that heart attack, but have symptoms which I talked about. Please be, if it is out of the blue, take it seriously. Number three is a microvascular dysfunction, small arteries, so if you have everything that is normal, ask your doctor, can I get this done? What do you think? Sometimes, you know, when you are there and if doctors say, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, you can always ask them, can I get some blood work done? Can I get an EKG done? They're not going to say no. They're sometimes too busy. So that is another thing. And then you talk about the, prince, uh, the coronary vasospasm and finally, the broken heart syndrome. With this, I would I have a picture of my grandson, but I still cannot show it to you. And I hope because who ensures that I stay young, vibrant, and energetic, so that I have stamina and strength to keep up with you and have fun too. Thank you so much for listening. I'm once again apologize if the slides not work. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. That, that was such a powerful presentation. And some of our viewers actually did comment that this is powerful information and everybody appreciates all that you're sharing here. So thank you so very, very much. Um, I have a couple questions that people have asked. So um, one of the questions is, 
what do you eat in a day? And and parallel to that, if something different, what would you recommend for a woman to eat in a day? So what do you eat in a day? I don't really think there is any difference in eating uh, as far as heart disease is concerned. Uh, I get up in the morning and my idea is to have a huge glass of lukewarm water with apple cider vinegar, vinegar, apple cider vinegar. This is what I do after brushing my teeth. Number two is I make a slushy or a, this thing of all the fruits that are there in my uh, refrigerator or otherwise outside. I put all of them, but I put uh, ginger, uh, chia seeds, and turmeric and uh, make a smoothie. Uh, with all this, including I love to put the celery in uh, arugula. It gives a little bittery, this thing, and bananas, pears, all that. And me and my wife have this. Also put in beetroot, because beetroot is a coronary vessel. It's a dilator, blood vessel dilator. I've seen that when I run after having a uh, few pieces of uh, beet, it really helps me. So once I finish that, then I do my running, my uh, yoga, my breathing exercises, my stretching exercises, and all that. And then I go in for a breakfast, which is either uh, scrambled tofu, which I make hot tofu with all the lovely ingredients uh, that you can think of, uh, spices that you can think of. I roast the spices and uh, it tastes beautiful. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't know if I've said this. I think I've said it on other shows that I actually did this one New Year's Eve. I, I had two other couples who spent the night with us in uh, Atlanta. And the next day I said, I'm going to make you scrambled eggs. And they, uh, they did not know that I had made scrambled tofu. And they were thrilled that, oh, my God, this is the best scrambled eggs we have eaten until I told them it was tofu. And then, of course, one of them said, oh, now it doesn't taste that good. But it's all psychological. They really loved it. So there's no difference in that. So I do that. Then in the afternoon, I will make um, a sandwich uh, of a mushroom or uh, mushroom and uh, a spinach uh, burger. Uh, and, and, and that I do it my own way, the way I do it. Uh, simply by soy sauce and other things and get it done. And then in the evening, it is always a lot of veggies and salads and bean soups, uh, minced meat, which is a soy meat, and uh, with peas and all that. And uh, 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 th that's it. I mean, I, I, I'm, not in, I'm not a gourmet kind of a person. I'm not really interested into all these classic foods. Simple foods that can give me the energy, both mentally and physically, where I can carry on my day with purpose, passion, and positivity. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And Angela, I hope that gave you some information about what what Dr. Tahir eats and what, what you may want to eat. So thank you for your question. Um, somebody then as a follow-up question, uh, you're talking about beetroot. Is that 
is that uh, different from beets, or or is beetroot what we commonly call beets? It's the same. But remember it's, it's, one thing: the leaves of the beet can also be used as vegetables, and can be cooked. Beautiful. Wonderful. And that, that question came from Mandy Chambers. So thank you, Mandy. Um, Peg asked, and, and perhaps you've answered this, but uh, if you would remind us, and she asked before you, you actually talked about what what test uh, would, would you recommend for women to ask their doctors? So if you, you just review that for a second, please. Okay. I, I said that once you have ruled out your angiogram and all that is normal. And you know, the doctors say you don't have heart disease. Then you can turn around and ask that, can I have a test done? Which is, of course, your uh, test which shows a microvascular disease. So that test should be asked for. Uh, this test is, as I said before, for people who had a positive stress test or chest pain, shortness of breath, but the angiogram is negative. So you can ask for the coronary reactive testing. And what you do is that even if you have got an, even if you've got microvascular disease, please remember one thing that when, when they find out that you've got microvascular disease, say your reactive testing angiogram is positive, then you can be put on microglycine, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, but even exercise improves your blood flow into your, into, uh, into your heart. And a portable TENS machine, TENS unit, also increases the blood flow in your heart. Recent studies have been done and not only increases the blood flow, but decreases the chest flow. And then for coronary spasms, these are things that have to be done also. So most likely your decision should be asking the right questions, please. And then of course, when you talk about the troponin that I talked about, I don't know whether they do it around here, but in the UK it has been done and it has shown 48% more chances of diagnosing women. So I, I don't know if they do it in the ERs or here. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that answer. Uh, we have another question here, and that is, uh, how how would you recommend lowering cholesterol and triglycerides for somebody who's already vegan and walks almost daily? Uh, you know, uh, let me let me put it this way. You do not require any outside cholesterol period. Your body makes enough cholesterol, number one. Now, there are people like me who make more cholesterol irrespective of what I do. So there may be some people who are making, the bodies are making more cholesterol. Now, this is not scientifically proved, but this is my opinion on this subject. If you are a whole food, plant-based, no oil diet, and your cholesterol is high, of course you try and limit your nuts and all that, but still if your cholesterol is high, I don't 
advocate statins. Because if you are eating a whole food plant-based diet, you're already making that endothelium healthy. That means there is no chance of the cholesterol or the fibrin or the calcium to get to form plaques. So you are okay. But if you feel like that, you should bring it down and you can go ahead and take statins. But that, that is my thing. Please ask your own doctors regarding this. I have had high cholesterol. I do not take, but that does not mean that you should not. Please ask your doctor. But this is my thinking on it. That if you are eating healthy, then your endothelium, the inner lining is healthy. Why are you taking it? Mm -hmm. So if the cholesterol is around, it will not form plaques. Yes. So um, the question really was stated as somebody who is vegan. Perhaps if you could, uh, you could touch for a minute on the the distinctions between being vegan and being whole food plant based as it comes to heart disease. Well, if you if you have got a heart disease, say you have had a coronary artery disease, maybe you've got. Uh, 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 stents or bypass surgery. Now, if you want to stop the progression, I believe that you can get away by doing a vegan diet, very little oil, and you can go ahead and do that so that you may stop the progression of the disease further. If you want to reverse the disease, you want your endothelial cells to reverse to its original, then you should be a strict whole food, plant-based, no oil diet. Now, the question is, even if you don't ask me this question, I will answer, is I am not a whole food, plant-based, no oil diet. I am a whole food, plant-based, with very limited oil diet because of the circumstances that I live in or I am surrounded by. So I am not. But if I want to, if somebody wants to, there are a lot of people who are doing it. Asselstyn uh, has said that if you do a whole food, plant-based, no oil diet, you are going to reverse your heart disease. But otherwise, it helps. Again, uh, uh, Peter, another thing is that I always believe the lifestyle medicine, everybody talks about it. If people follow the six pillars of lifestyle medicine overall, then they are winners. And the lifestyle, just let me enumerate the six lifestyle. I'm not going to depth, just enumerate. Number one, the most important pillar of lifestyle medicine is nutrition, period. I'm, I'm going to give a TED talk uh, soon in which I will talk about this that this is the most important pillar. Your number two pillar is exercise. If you do not, every doctor should be writing a prescription of exercise, whether no matter what situation your patient is in. Number three, sleep. Seven to nine hours of sleep. I am still having trouble with that. I'm getting there. Number four is stress. I mean, everybody has stress, but how you handle stress? If you can't handle it, I could not. Then you uh, lean on uh, meditation, yoga, 
uh, your breathing exercises and all that. Number four, number uh, this thing is social support, a support that you can get much more out of giving social support than receiving social support. And finally, avoid substance abuse, tobacco, smoking, and uh, your uh, drugs, whether it is street drugs or it is prescription medication drugs and anxiolytics and all that. If you avoid this, and I don't advocate alcohol, but somebody who is drinking responsibly, I'm not going to tell that person not to drink. So if you follow these six pillars of lifestyle medicine, you're not going to get into trouble. That's my... Well, thank, thank you so very much. And we have several comments here of people. Angela, she loves your message. And thank you for joining us, Angela and Dr. Tahir. Thank you so very much for, for being with us and for your message. And, and we look forward to having you with the community again at another time. And... And uh, words cannot express my appreciation for all that you've done. And maybe some point we can get into your training and, and your your achievements of mountain climbing and marathon running because you have been absolutely an amazing role model to for people for what's possible uh, in, with, with nutrition and with heart health. So thank you so very much for joining us. And everybody, thank you for being here with us today. And I look forward to seeing you at another Saturday uh, keynote talk in the future. We have some amazing people, some other amazing people coming, talking about all kinds of topics like uh, climate healing and masculine energy and how we show up and as ambassadors. And when, when somebody needs masculine energy as uh, for their inspiration rather than the gentle approach and just all kinds of things let's support each other let's together let's make this a happy healthy well-fed vegan world so dr tahir thank you so much for joining us i say one I, last thing no you are please you peter angela villain all you people are doing some marvelous work you know and I am so, so happy to be in your company and uh, carrying this message forward. So I am really grateful for giving me this opportunity to really spread my heart-healthy message. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, and thank you for all you do, and you're such an amazing role model to us all. So thank you, and have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and enjoy it, I hope. I hope it's a beautiful weekend in Atlanta and everywhere else that I have a talk tomorrow of 500 people at the Unitarian Church in Tampa. Oh, oh wow, Tampa, very nice. Well, congratulations. That's that's quite a quite a an opportunity there. So wish you all the best. Well, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you everybody and so long till next time. Bye -bye. Namaste, vegan. Bye. Uh, Peter.